Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, not a build snipe. <laughs> no, you're not. Today, we're talking about Minute 63, which begins with Thor changing Eric's life and ends with Thor's thoughts on Loki's mind. Back on the show, it's Travis Bow. Hello, Travis. What's the volume of a build snipe? <gasps> Travis! <laughs> how, many, how many Stella's Stars cards? <laughs> oh, I'm going to say 7.5. So <laughs> the Bill Snipe, but they're huge. 17.5, I meant. Hmm. Okay. 17.5 Stellan Skarsgards is one right. Bill Snipe. Yeah. That's what you're saying? That's All what right. I guess, so yeah. We're going to have to do the math. We've got to check the math on that. <laughs> Team? We'll see Pete at the end of the, end of the episode. He'll be back with the... <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> He'll have figured back it all out. That's big board. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. We're coming in on this conversation about uh, changing, uh, you know, about how... Thor changed Eric's life and changed everything around here. I like the idea of him changing his life, but also you just have to acknowledge anyone who was involved with an alien that came down probably would have their life changed. I mean, you know, Elliot from ET, I think there are plenty of examples. Put an alien in someone's life, their life will be changed. Mac and, and the other... Mac and me, yep, yep, right. You know, I feel like this is kind of humanizing, though, right? It's humanizing in such a way to as to um, like to to put Thor and humanity closer to the same level. That's what it does to me. It says like you changed people's lives here. That's a conversation you would have with somebody who was dealing with severe imposter syndrome, right? Like you were of value. You haven't just destroyed our, you know, local forests. Um, like, you haven't just done all of this, wrecked an entire uh, small town. You really changed lives. And I think that's a, I think that's what this little scene, this little quiet scene before other stuff happens is useful. It's a utility scene. Well, what we get out of it also is the fact that of the characters that we meet that have, that came into contact with Thor... Eric seems to have undergone quite the transformation from this is a character from his childhood stories that he grew up with to holy cow, you're real. And so is Loki. And wow, Loki's trying to destroy this town that I'm in to holy cow. Now there's these things coming from space with these this these stones that I can study and open up portals and all this stuff. And we're seeing that we're just talking about how he's changing in the last minute. And that will really kind of continue the thread into Thor the Dark World as we see just how far down this uh, kind of this crazy path Eric goes. And so it's interesting. You changed his life can also be saying, you know, there's (laughs) you've really opened up some doors in his mind and maybe those doors shouldn't have been open. (laughs) It really screwed it up. It's uh, (laughs) a... They've laid the groundwork if they ever wanted to make Selvig a villain. Oh, true. Very true. You know? God, that would be really interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting angle to take him as a character. And I'm sure, knowing the sorts of films that Stellan Skarsgård has been in, I'm sure he would jump at the chance to sure. to, uh-huh. to play with this character a little bit more like that. The other interesting thing that, that Coulson says is, you changed everything around here. And... There's some subtext in this that we get um, now that really leads to what Fury is saying later when he's talking about phase two and the fact that 
we're doing this because of you. Mm -hmm. It's it's an interesting note, although with Coulson coming out of Coulson's mouth, it sounds much nicer than when Fury is talking to Thor later about it. But still, it's it's the idea of everything has changed because now we realize there are these aliens that can potentially come down and wreak havoc on the Earth. He's saying as much as he can while wearing that Section 7 badge. You know, change things around (laughs) here is as much as he is uh, authorized to say what has changed. Right. Right. He has to be a little a little cautious as to what 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 he lets slip right now. Because I don't know what level Thor is. (laughs) (laughs) Level level four. It's just after level three. (laughs) (laughs) I I see what you did there. Oh, that's yeah, that's a terrible one. That's something like a first grader. That's a first grader level. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm still laughing. Uh, so there you I go. Know. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. The other thing that uh, Thor says, they were better as they were. I mean, this is an interesting thing to come out of his life. It does sound like something a, quote, God would say when his people start becoming more enlightened. But it's also an interesting line in the scope of where we'll see Thor's stories going later with like Thor, uh, Love and Thunder, as far as kind of the Gore the God Butcher and this idea of these, uh, you know, how people see their gods and enlightenment and moving beyond that and all that. I think there's an interesting viewpoint that Thor is having here about uh, perhaps, you know, sometimes this sort of advanced change might, you know, you you really do kind of need to be ready for it to um, before it kind of blows your mind, you know? Yeah. And, and this is a, a Thor that is, is still freshly humbled, you know, with the, the whole events of, of Thor. He's still coming off like, like the consequences that led to, you know, people in, in New Mexico being uh, put in harm's way and, and, Everything that that transpired there is still fresh in his mind, and, and I like that that's still present in his mind. And uh, yeah, he's he's saying that we caused all this trouble because we, we you know run around play, playing war, basically. Yeah, it's a viewpoint coming from Thor that really seems like he did learn something. Mm-hmm. Like he has acknowledged these things in front of him that he had never seen before right about how like like you wouldn't have seen you wouldn't have had thor saying this about the asgardians before he took the warriors three and loki down to uh, jotunheim to attack the frost giants right like that's not something he would have said he felt he had reason for that now he is looking at this as like we're not that advanced and if they are learning lessons from us that's not a good thing. And it's, I don't know, it's an interesting thing to kind of show that maybe Thor is, is, is still kind of on this journey of learning. Yeah. Well, lest we forget, it was just minutes ago that Thor decided to come down to Midgard in a riding a bolt of lightning and fight first, ask questions later, right? Well, like, yeah, true. he's not learning that fast. <laughs> Well, but that's like he's really upset at his brother. Yeah, like, <laughs> and he figures <laughs> brothers. Am I right? Yeah, I can. I can zip in. I can grab Loki. I'll be gone before. Yeah, you know. Right. I'll be but, back in time for supper. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Bill Snipes. <laughs> 
This is a, a fun line that Thor throws out. We'd be, we come here battling like Bilgesnipe and Coulson's reaction is perfect. Like what? And Thor <laughs> Bilgesnipe, you know, huge, scaly, big antlers. You don't have those. And Coulson, no, the way that I don't think, I don't think Clark so. Greg, <laughs> I don't think so. I, the it's just the perfect. best part about that is that he's not shutting Thor down. He's not saying, right. no, those don't exist here. He's, he's open to it. You know, he's right. now seen some some crazy stuff. He's not saying no. I really like that that choice to. Like, I don't. I don't think so. Maybe, but I don't think so. I, I love that. Yeah. Now, build snipe. Uh, this is there's a variety of different ways that it gets spelled across the the different iterations of the scripts that I've found. I don't know if uh, they were. I don't, I'm not exactly sure why, but. Believe it or not, the Bilge Snipe do make it into the Marvel Wiki, and that is because they are uh, they're featured on. I guess it's the the Marvel Animated Universe, the show from the 2010s. Thor has a pet Bilge Snipe, which he named Bilgey, and he kept it in his room at the Avengers Tower. So, um, so <laughs> they they put it in there. Although they do credit this film as being the first appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, credited to uh, Zach Penn and uh, Tig Notaro. So, um, but it does say on the wiki, it's an indigenous animal on Asgard. And in fact, we do see a carcass of one of these. Presumably, it hasn't been completely confirmed, but the internet seems to have confirmed it in Thor Ragnarok, when Valkyrie falls off her uh, uh, her. Uh, walkway on her ship and she lands in some junk and next to it there's a carcass and people think that that is in fact a bilge snipe so fascinating the uh a- ai art doesn't know what a bilge snipe is <laughs> it thinks it's a uh, uh cruise ship on the back of a whale a house in norway i think with a cauliflower sticking out of the top uh, <laughs> or a series of birds hmm. a series of birds <laughs> And one bird actually has a telescope coming out of one eye. So that's a thing. That's an interesting interpretation. Yeah. Good luck getting to sleep tonight, everybody. Yep. <laughs> yep. Link in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> like what Thor says here about, you know, because he's, he's likening, you know, them to build snipe. And what I, I like that he follows that with, you know, they're repulsive and they trample everything. And that's that's him saying we as guardians in our warmongering sometimes can be repulsive and we trample everything. We affect everything around us. Uh, I, that's probably a little deeper than I think Thor may be going. But I, I like that he compares as guardians to, to these these monsters. I don't think that's too far. I think that's I that that's kind of where it takes me that this is this is a manifestation of thor's like newfound thoughtfulness and i like it like i like that he they put that in this character especially a character that looks as young as hemsworth does in this movie like he he does look like a young man ill-equipped to have learned some of these lessons necessarily knowing full well he's a god and is you know older than his appearance uh but it it is uh, I, I think it's interesting, and it is—it's good and bespoke of the character. I think it's—I think it's appropriate. Well, and it speaks to, I guess, just the nature of you know finding, uh, you know, finding the metaphors with whatever you know. Like, I mean, we'll often, you know, say 
uh, use animals as references to describe people. And so for him, it's the exact same thing. And I like the way that he latches onto that in a way that, uh, and then describes it in such a way that actually fits very much like how he is seeing the Asgardians and the warmongering state and what they actually right. do around them. And I, it's, I, I like that he is, he has hit that place where he is thinking that way. Yeah, I agree. Interestingly, when, and, and I've never noticed this until <laughs> toward the end of this minute, Fury suddenly uh, pipes up and you're like, oh, where did he come from? Yeah. At the point where they're talking about the build snipe, you can actually see Fury on the upper walkway behind them, kind of monitoring computers with some of the, the shield agents up there. Um, and Sitwell's behind them on the floor below, but up at the top, you can see Fury. And, and as they, as Coulson and Thor walk up toward the front windows to talk, you can actually see Fury turn and kind of follow them. And I had never noticed that. It was just nice. It was a subtle way to kind of include him and have him just kind of be there. I, I liked the way that that um, that he's just there because before I'm like, where did he come from? <laughs> he always seems to do this just at the last minute. He's got a line. He just vanishes and then he's there. Yeah, yeah. I thought he had business. World Security Council stuff. Right, exactly. But it speaks to, I guess, this now that he's kind of coming into this whole thing, it's about this idea of war. And Thor is like bringing up war, how when he was young, he would court war, which speaks again very much to Jotunheim and what we saw in, in the beginning of Thor. But this is Fury really kind of stepping in here and trying to say, you know what, help me figure out how we can avert this. I like that we have this uh, the start of this conversation here. We'll get more of it in the next minute. But it's I, I think that Fury is what I like about the way that this feels is Fury is trying to figure out how to use these different people. Like this is his first time really working with Thor. He or with uh yeah with Thor. He had seen him images and everything, but he never had the luxury, quote, luxury of working with him that Colson did. And so this is really his first time and he's not sure how to read this character. And I think that it's interesting as he's trying to find a way in. Yeah, it's like he's like a coach trying to get the best most out of his out of his team, I think. Yeah. How how bought in do you think Fury is to Thor being on the team, though? Like like all of this phase two is dedicated to his belief or, or his sort of the shared belief in the military industrial complex that it's Thor and his ilk from off planet that are pushing toward the, the the development of all of these alternative weapons, et cetera, et cetera. And we know he says, I believe, Fury says, I believe we can do this. I believe that my plan is the best one. But is his plan really include getting over his own xenophobia right now? Like the last time he had a, a contact, we haven't had the benefit yet of seeing the last time he had contact with an extraterrestrial, which was in the 80s, which hasn't happened yet. Or the 90s. And so, or the 90s, right. So I'm wondering, like, how much are we supposed to believe that Fury is totally bought in on this idea of Thor being an Avenger? Like, he didn't even, I I have to believe Fury didn't even know that Thor was going to show up. Sure. Right? Thor was off world. He was gone. And they had no way to contact him. Right. I think Fury knows that Coulson believes in him. And I think he knows everything Selvig would have said about Thor. So I think that probably carries enough weight. Without that, I think Fury would probably just lump Thor in with 
Loki, and he's another one of these Asgardians that we just have to be prepared to wipe off the board with these weapons that we're going to create. But with with Coulson there, with his history now with Thor, I think that carries enough weight that Fury's willing to to believe that he's a good, true-hearted person who's going to fight for us. Yeah. That's where I land with it, especially because when Coulson showed up in Stark Tower to kind of invite Tony to be a part of all of this again, he gives him that information that has a lot of files on these three potential people for, you know, the Avengers initiative. It's, you know, Steve Rogers, it's Bruce Banner, and it's Thor. I have to think that even if they didn't have a way to contact Thor, even if they didn't have a way to uh, to make sure that he was a part of the team, I would think that they had him on their radar saying, if he shows up, we definitely would love to have this guy because he seemed like he was a good person. According to Phil, he was working to help us, not hurt us. And so if he comes back, we want to make sure we talk to him to get him on board. And so I think it, it just is luck and timing that he ended up coming down at this particular point so that they could recruit him to be a part of this whole operation. But but I have to think that Fury wanted to have him here, especially now that he knows Loki is here and from the same place. I'd like to think that he, again, based on Coulson's interactions with Thor from that movie, that this is a person who would help us uh, uh, fight against this person. Well, he also knows he's got, on one side, he's got Banner, who at a, drop of a hat could turn into the Hulk. He's got also got Thor. Two people that if they decide to do something, there's not a lot Fury can do to change their mind. It, with Thor, he can at least have a conversation with them. And maybe, you know, just if they can, at, at the start here, if they can get in on his good side and, and make sure they're all fighting for the same thing, then we're all going to be focusing on the on the same target with Hulk as, as long as you can kind of steer him or or point him towards the enemy that's you know best case scenario um and obviously then towards the end of the movie we'll, we're going to need something to get all these people after the same thing have the same motivation and obviously Coulson will play a big part in that but yeah i think i think fury knows that he's got these two elements that he can't really control but he can subtly manipulate and and point in the right direction yeah i can buy i buy that i i think that's a and and especially given the complexities of all of the relationships on board and the preparation that fury's gone through to make sure that there is a cage that will hold yes hulk but also hey it's pretty handy we know what asgardians are capable of yeah even though i do also think that i'm sure if loki wanted to get out of there he could they they may not know that, but right. I mean, we've seen him be pretty slippery before. Yeah, they probably don't know. I don't know who would have told Shield Coulson the extent of uh, Loki's abilities with magic. You know, they haven't witnessed that. They may not know that he was raised by witches, and you know that whole that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, he's as far as they know, he never came to Earth. He only sent the Destroyer. So, um, so yeah, yeah, good point that, I mean, there, it's just all guesses. It's all speculation. 
Thor has a line when he's talking to uh, to Coulson, and I just thought it was an interesting one because he says, when I first came to Earth, Loki's rage followed me here and your people paid the price. And as I was thinking about that, I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Does that mean he never came to Midgard before the Thor movie? Because I'm pretty sure Mm. that it was kind of, you know, a place that they used to come to quite a bit. But or I don't know. I mean, they, or are they, they never... just girding for a prequel where <laughs> Thor destroyed Midgard even more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Again, I think it's one of those lines that he means in the recent past. You know, when I first came yeah. to Earth recently. Yeah. <laughs> as far as you know, and as far as what affects yeah. the the what's happening now. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, the, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to kind of back up and, and talk about how uh, this this walk and talk being the reason I wanted these minutes and yeah, how yeah, let's talk about it, uh, it. It's because of this conversation, like like I said, this walk and talk. And it's I love the flow of it because it starts out. They're talking about Selvig and, and, and you know, Thor is. You know, regrets that that he's gotten uh, more or less abducted by Loki, and then that leads Coulson to talk about how oh, he speaks highly of you. You changed his life. You changed everything around here. And when when Thor hears that, there's just a hint of a smile. Like he's he likes hearing that he changed Midgard. You know, he changed Earth. He changed everything. But again, he's humble enough to like, you know, it, then he plays it off. Why? Oh, we it was better before I got here. You know, uh, forget how exactly he says it. They were better off before. So I like that humbling aspect of it. And then continuing with the, the build snipe thing and that there's just enough little comedy with that. The just the physical comedy of, of Thor literally like miming this creature like that to me is really funny. Then the response from Coulson. And then as he walks away from that little conversation and it gets uh, remorseful, it gets more serious. You know, he reflects, he looks out the window and I just love, this is just like a perfect minute. Uh, It's mostly all, all Thor. It occurred to me that a lot of what's being said here doesn't move the story along it could easily easily have been cut out but they kept it in here and i really appreciate that about it and honestly to me it's ruined by fury piping in and saying war hasn't started yet well fury you started the movie out by saying war has just begun or uh, <laughs> we're at war. Yeah. As of this moment, we're at war. So which is right. it, Fury? Are, are we at war or has war not started yet? So that to me, that line is like that you're just trying to because he said war, you're just trying to use the word war as as a way to, you know, announce your presence. It, it just, that bugs me. But well, and to your point, it is the line that Fury uses or that Tigdataro uses to bring us back into plot. Yeah. Right. Bef- where we, uh, you know, hence, uh, uh, or where we have character, now we have plot. Don't, don't get too sidelined by actual 
uh, emotional relationships with these characters. Yeah, right. Because this is the point where I mean, as we were talking about where Fury realizes, hey, this is my window of opportunity to rope this guy in and join our team. Yeah. And so he's kind of grasping whatever he can. And it happens to be this idea of war, uh, which he uses to kind of bring up Loki and the Tesseract and all that. And that's his doorway into this conversation that he's going to have with Loki or with Thor today and tomorrow. Absolutely. But yeah, that's why I wanted to be here for this week. And and I love that it's kind of capped off with uh, the in my youth, I, I courted war. And it's a perfect way to sum up how he saw himself prior to that coronation or, you know, right around that coronation that got ruined, that that kicked off this whole thing uh, between him and Loki, Loki trying to spoil his big day and, and him just wanting to be crowned the next king. And then that just led them all the way to here. I, I just love love that it's all kind of wrapped up here in this little tiny walk and talk. No, it is nice. It's funny. I, I did have a note about it, that line in in my youth. I courted war, and I'm like, did that? So, were you? Was your youth until the last film, like the end of the last film? That's when your youth yeah. officially ended. Right, it just ended. It's when he became a man. <laughs> That's when I became a man. It's actually right up until the point that I rode a lightning bolt down and landed on a plane <laughs> to try and mm. and get my brother. I was ready to war then too, but now I'm a man. Well, I you know, he also could have said. Uh, I became a man. You were there when I became that man. <laughs> like, it could have gotten all sorts of. You awkward. remember? <laughs> you remember? You were, you were watching from the roof of the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> you watched me become a man that day. <laughs> yep. Oh, Colson needs to be involved in as many awkward conversations as mm. possible. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Well, I think you're absolutely right, uh, Travis. This is a great conversation. It works really well uh, for the movie and for these characters. And it's a, just a great beat of character development that we're kind of getting here with some comedy thrown in. And Bill Snipes. It's also one of those, it's a long minute. And you guys have done this long enough. You know what I mean. When I say it's a long minute, obviously it's the same 60 seconds that it's going to be tomorrow. But some minutes feel like nothing happens or they move really fast. But this one, as I started watching minute 63, I thought, oh, man, I just know that it's going to cut right in the middle of his of Thor's, you know, one of his great little sentences. Uh, But then it keeps going and it keeps going. I thought, oh, as he walks away from Coulson, that's where it's going to cut and then keeps going. And it has like this moment to breathe and, you know, goes all the way until uh, Fury shows up. So it's just one of those weird minutes that that feels long. And I really am glad that all of this was contained in, in this one minute. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. They capture a lot here. It's it's a great little conversational beat. And they use the location well for mm-hmm. this conversation also. <laughs> Speaking of the location, I, I there was something weird. Once it changes, it kind of does a little bit of a Dutch angle on Thor as he they get Thor and uh, Fury in the in the same, you know, shot. Something was off to me. I thought, why does Thor look so weird here? And it finally dawned on me, they've had to cut along the outline of his hair and his forehead because that ceiling, that roof is not there. Um, it's probably a green screen. You know, they've, they've had to fill in 
uh, a little bit of uh, Thor's head. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's not perfect every, you know, every second. And luckily it's not on screen that much, but if you just watch Thor's forehead, as he kind of moves his head a little bit, it's just a little dodgy um, because they've had the paint in that, that bulkhead that's behind him, I think. Right. Just one of those things that that's finally stood out to me. I was like, oh, well, yeah, it makes sense. That they wouldn't have a ceiling there. Yeah, the digital work. It's funny that you bring up the ceiling. I was uh, the thing that caught my attention was the uh, the wide shot from outside the mm. windows as yeah. we're looking at Thor and Coulson, and we can see the whole roof of this area. And there's like mm-hmm. a a, uh, a a cut in the ceiling of it for. I mean, it looks like for lights to come through if it's sunny or something like that. But I'm like. This is the very bottom of the helicarrier. Is are you telling oh. me like there's there's a window like in the in the uh, aircraft runway up above <laughs> where, <laughs> where uh, you know the I don't know just to let the sunlight in. I'm not exactly yes. sure. <laughs> yes. One hundred percent. I yeah. believe that. Why? Because helicarriers are cool. <laughs> well, and speaking to our, our conversation about like the size and scale of these things, mm-hmm. it also like if that is the top, then I'm like, now my scale is really thrown with this helicarrier because I thought there were a lot more levels above mm-hmm. this room before we would have gotten up to that runway. There's a lot of wasted space in this room. <laughs> Very hollow. <laughs> I've, I've right. been inside of a battleship, you know, I think they, there's not a lot of like big open areas like like this, yeah. you know. No, right, exactly. All right. Well, that's minute 63. Any last thoughts from either of you about anything going on here? Um, I did notice during the walk and talk, it's the first time I really, like, looked at Thor and how much I I really dislike this costume. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't know if you guys have talked about his costuming much. We have, only in the context of people liking it. Really? Uh, I think yeah. this is my least favorite look of his. It's this chest piece that has like, and I guess they're maybe meant to be lightning bolts, but like this creates like a V shape and I don't care for it here. I, um, I, yeah. I will say in this scene more so than in other parts where we see him, it looks more like a plastic uh, costume mm-hmm. than yeah. than other. And I don't know if it's just because it's in the dark and so it just doesn't have the shine and the luster that we get later, but it does feel a little more plasticky here. But otherwise, I mean, I do kind of like it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite, but I, I haven't had issues with it, I guess. Right. Um, I also, the, the shoulders where he has like the bits of red doesn't really make sense because that should, it looks like, the cape must grow out of that, that red fabric that's there because why would there be cape fabric, you know, tucked into his shoulder? It just, that bugs me. But it's yet another innovation from Asgardian fine leather good. <laughs> that is funny. Actually, I haven't really thought about the fact that it's like they, they're putting the, the design for the cape mm-hmm. there, yeah. but not including the no cape. cape. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> when you see him later with the cape, it's coming from that exact spot, you know. So yeah, yeah under the things on his chest, mm-hmm. it's it's like right. those uh, outfits that you get, you know, where it's got the zipper, and you know, you can just he can unzip. There's something back there under a panel. He lifts it, unzips it, pulls the cape out, and then he's ready to go. Yeah, I don't see Thor doing a lot of zipping and unzipping, <laughs> Andy. That's a <laughs> That's an interesting character addition. Well, he doesn't do it. He has somebody do it for him, Pete. Minions? Yes. Asgardian <laughs> minion. Squire. 
Oh, if only we had a Thor squire throughout oh, these yeah. films. <laughs> Daryl. <laughs> Daryl the squire. Oh, all right. Well, let's wrap everything up for Minute 63 today. Uh, Travis, thank you so much for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. My pleasure. Tell everybody about what you're working on out there. Oh, yeah. Um, you can also hear me over on Real Comic Heroes. That's real with two E's. Uh, just search Real Comic Heroes everywhere. Over there, we talk about uh, uh, comic book movies, and we go in release order. So we started with Superman and the Mole Men from 1951, and as of this recording, we're still on. <laughs> we've been on a hiatus, so we're, we're <laughs> our latest one was uh, uh, Steel. So wow, nice. Check that out. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Forty years worth of comic book movies to to hear us talk about lots of content for sure we'll have links in the show notes everybody you can check those out remember if you're not seeing the show notes in your podcatcher just go to our website marvelmovieminute.com you can also learn more about our membership in which you can get early access to episodes hiatus bonus episodes uh no ads in your shows all that good stuff so that's it for today we'll be back tomorrow to talk about minute 64 so pete thanks as always tomorrow andy loki's bomb Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.